Bible, if you've got one, if you've got it on an app or in your lap, Hebrews chapter 12. I can't help how cheesy I am sometimes. I heard about a man who was really, really busy, and in his busyness, um, got kind of edgy, got kind of uh, tense, anxious, snappy, and uh, he was uh, he was kind of speeding things up around his house. And uh, anyway, one of his kids said to him, "Hey, Dad, I got something to tell you, and I'll tell you really fast." And, and, and don't worry, I'll tell you fast. And the, and the dad said, you don't have to tell me fast. You can tell me slowly. And then she said, well, listen slowly. Listen slowly. And uh, I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Yesterday, I told my Sunday school class today, yesterday something happened that was very similar to what happens to me a lot. Um, at my house, sometimes um, I do the dishes very humble about it. But I was doing the dishes. And when I do the dishes, I, 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 don't, uh, I don't just like to do the dishes without anything else entertaining me. So I like to put on a YouTube video or a podcast. And I have, my wife got me these noise-canceling headphones, which is really nice. And so I put these headphones on, and I've got somehow the iPad teetering on the windowsill, and I'm washing the dishes, which means my hands are wet and I'm using electronics. And so then my wife will yell. She'll come around the corner or, hey, and I hear, I hear kind of, it's the noise canceling headphones become wife canceling (laughs) headphones. And so she's trying to tell me something and I do what all men do at some point when they're listening to the TV or they're watching something. What do we say to them? Even though we didn't hear them, what do we say? Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And she could be saying, I'm taking all your money and leaving. And I'm like, oh, okay. That could be what's happening, right? I heard her, but I wasn't listening to her. Who agrees there's a difference between hearing and listening? Yes, that happens. We're in Hebrews chapter number 12, and we find ourselves at the end of the chapter. We're uh, we're just a couple more sermons till we finish up the book of Hebrews. And it has been amazing. I'm very, kind of very sad that we're going to be finished with it. But I mean, you can still get something out of it. Just go back and read it. It's still there. Amen. And, uh, but, but we're finding ourselves at the end of the chapter. And, and in the section we find ourselves, we ended last week on verse 24. I want to get to there in my Bible too, not just in my notes. Hebrews chapter 12, when we finished, um, well, really, we talked about last week's sermon was, if you weren't here, I, it was a lot of fun. A Tale of Two Mountains, right? And, uh, and he talks about, and we'll get to that in a second. But the last thing he says is, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, this is in verse 24, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. And then he says in verse 25, see that ye refuse not him that speaketh. You know what that means? See, see to it, we'll talk about what that means in a minute, the, the original Greek word. But he says, see to it that you don't refuse him that speaketh. God is speaking. Don't just hear, 
listen, right? Have you ever been in a moment where you're with your kids and you're telling them to do something, you think they hear, you maybe even think that they know what you're saying and they're not doing what you're telling them to do and you say, why don't you listen? What are we saying? I can tell you're not, you may hear me, but you're not listening because you're not doing what I am saying, right? And what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that God is speaking and we need to listen. And of course, part of listening is obeying. We know that our God is a God who speaks, right? Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 3, and God said, let us, or, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God speaks. You go through Genesis chapter 1, and God said, and God said, and God said. And out of the word of his mouth, the worlds were made. Isn't that awesome? He did that. That's an amazing thing. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. I want to remind you even how the book of Hebrews started. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says this, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, meaning in various times and in a multiplicity of ways, spake. What does God do? He speaks. He spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. This God... Verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Is son in your Bible capitalized? Who is he talking about? Jesus, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Isn't that awesome? God speaks. And when God speaks, he's done it in times past in a lot of different ways. God used all kinds of things. You know, God used a donkey one time to speak, right? If you don't think God can use you, he used a donkey. I'll stop there. So God speaks and, and he spoke in times past by the prophets, but he does something better now. But... Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. He speaks. And in fact, he says at the end of that passage, Jesus' blood speaks a better word than that of Abel's. And so God is revealing. He's revealed in his word. He's revealed through his son. And so in chapter 12, we've been told all kinds of things. We've been talking about this race. And he says, uh, you're running a race and life is like a race. And one of the things he says about God is that God chastens those who are his kids. He, like a loving father, he, 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 and listen, one of the things you have to do as a dad is you have to speak, don't you? You know, like your word needs to be law at some point, right? They, they've got to learn how to be disciplined and then they become disciplined themselves. And so God is speaking, God is speaking, God is speaking. In chapter 12, we're told he's like a father who chases us, coaching us on to the finish. And so the premise of my sermon is the point of this text. It's very simple. I love how sometimes um, at, the end of, at the end of the uh, week, I've, I've, been, I've been in this passage all week long. I've been thinking about it a lot. And then we read all together. And have you noticed that the, what we read together as a congregation ends up being the thing I preach on? And I love when I read, reading through 
your eyes, not that I think all of you don't know anything about this passage, that's not what I'm trying to say, but many of you probably haven't read this passage before, haven't studied it. So reading it the way you're reading it and going, man, there's so much I can't wait to tell them about because they may be going, I wonder what that means, I wonder what that means. And some passages are a little bit more difficult than others. This is a passage that like is so rich with so much meaning. And so here's my premise for you today. I want you to listen. I don't want you to just hear. I want you to listen. And I don't want you to just hear me. I want you to listen to God, right? And and when, when we read the word of God, we're reading the word of God. So let's listen, okay? Here are We should listen to God and we should listen obediently for three reasons. Very simple outline. Number one, the first reason we should listen is because God is speaking. Because God is speaking. Look at verse 25. Now, before we get to verse, I'll I'll start it. We've already read it. Here we go. See then that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escape not who refused him that spake on the earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Last week, we talked about two mountains. We learned about two mountains, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. Look at verse 18. He says in chapter 12, verse 18, for ye are not come unto the mountain that might not be touched and that burned with fire nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore, for they could not endure that which was commanded. If so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with the dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, now this is important for later on, to tuck this away. What did Moses say? I exceedingly fear and quake. Okay, this is the audience participation part. I tried it last week and you guys got like a C. Okay, let's go for a B plus. What does it look like to quake? Everybody quake. Okay, some of you are better than others. Okay, you're scared. Anybody literally, let's just be honest. Anybody here been in a situation where you were literally shaking? Oh yeah. Uh, All of a sudden the light turns green and somebody goes right in front of you and your heart goes, right? Or maybe... You're driving and then you see the lights in the rearview mirror. You ever have that happen? Don't, don't admit it. Okay. Is Moses afraid? Moses is afraid. So you have Mount that cannot be touched. We went back and saw that that was talking about Sinai. It caused even Moses to fear. And we talked about how that in Sinai, what did God give them? He gave them the law. He gave them the law and he made a covenant with them. It was the first covenant. And he said, you need to obey the law. They said they would, but then they they didn't. And what the author tells us is that we're not at Mount Sinai anymore. That our relationship with God is not based on the law and therefore the fear and all that goes on that. He says, instead, verse 22, I love the butts of the Bible. (laughs) Verse 22, but ye are come unto Mount Sion 
and unto the city of the living God, that's the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly. That word for general assembly is that, I told you last week, that feastal assembly, a feast, a party. Who's excited about parties? I'm excited about, like, it's gonna be an amazing thing. You're gonna come to that, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to the Jesus, Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. We're gathering to a new mountain. We're coming to this new place. Why? Because of verse number 24, because of Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of the new covenant. How did he make a new covenant? He did it with the blood of sprinkling of the blood that speaks better things than Abel. Abel's blood was shed by his brother. He murdered him. And God said to Cain, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. What does it cry? It cries for justice. Wrong being made right. Right? What is God's blood? What is Jesus' blood say? It's finished. It says grace. It says mercy. It says done. It's done. You don't have to do anything to be saved. What's been done to be saved has already happened. You don't have to keep the law. Now you're coming to Mount Zion. All you have to do is believe. And that's an amazing thing. So what does he say? So if that's true, if God doesn't work in our lives and doesn't deal with us on basis of the law, but he deals with it on the basis of grace and faith in Jesus Christ, that's why he says, see then that you refuse not him that speaketh. Who's speaking? God is. The word for see that here is the word blepo in the Greek. It's, it's in the present continuing tense, which means that it's something that we endeavor to do on a continual basis. He's made the case that God is speaking. Why should we listen? Well, he says, look at verse, now we're into our text. Are you with me? Verse number 25. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on the earth, well, who are they? Those are those who refused him, those who refused the law, those are who disobeyed the law. If you go back to verse number 19, uh, here in Hebrews chapter 12, go back to verse 19, it talks about them and it's literally quoting from, uh, from Exodus. God was on the mountain, he's proclaiming to them, uh, he's delivering God's law, there's thunders and smoke and lightning and, and the people say to Moses, we're gonna leave because we can't bear to hear what he's saying. We'll hear through you. We won't hear. In fact, and that's what he refers to. Look at verse, look at verse number 19. And the sound of the trumpet, this Hebrews 12, 19. And the voice of words, which voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. He was speaking of that Sinai generation of Israelites who, who first of all, were fearful to hear the word of the Lord. And then they refused the word of the Lord. They didn't listen to it and they did not obey it. Exodus 20, 18 and 19 said, this is where it refers to it. And all the people saw the thunderings, the lightnings, and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when, they, when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear, but not let God speak with us lest we die. 
So in verse number 25, see that ye refuse not him. It's using the same word that he used in verse number 19, and it's the same, it's the same exact word. It's translated two different ways. Entreat in verse number 19 and refuse in verse number 25 is the same. What he's saying is, if they didn't get away with refusing God when he spoke from earth, here it is, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from where? Heaven. What he's saying is, if you rejected God when he was here and he's speaking in a lesser place, and you think you can get away, you think you can get there by Sinai when he's in heaven, you're messed up. Don't refuse him that speaks. Listen up, believe. The preacher is giving a lesser to greater argument. He's making the case that those people who refused God's voice on earth in Mount Sinai did not escape accountability to the word of God. He's saying that the God of Sinai is also the God of Zion. Very similar to Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. He says, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will? Here's the point. We have more revelation now. Don't we? Anybody here heard of Jesus? You know what he did? You know that he died? God who spoke in times past by the prophet has in these last days spoken to us by his son. And the God that made prophecies before that said this is what's going to happen, we know him as fulfilled. Did you know that? The Bible has like got a great reputation if you actually look into it, most people don't want to look into it. There's a whole bunch of the Bible that said, this is what's going to happen, and it's already happened. Can somebody tell it to the news? Can somebody tell it to Washington? Like, this is really valid. And if it was right about his first coming, it's going to be right about his second coming. Are you with me? So, so God gives us all these examples of faithfulness through the time. And if we reject God's word, when we have more revelation, we should not expect that God will not let us escape from this either. That's the case that he's making. So listen, listen, obey, put your faith in Jesus. Here's the second reason we listen. Number two, the universe is shaking. The Lord is speaking. The universe is shaking. It's all dramatic, isn't it? Let's read it. Verse 26. Whoso vo whose voice then, who is he talking about? God's voice. Whose voice then, where? What's then? At Sinai. Okay. Back then, at Sinai, God's voice, what? shook the earth. But now he has promised saying, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also the heavens. And this word, yet once more, 
signifieth the removing of those things which are shaken as of things that are made and those things which cannot be shaken. Sorry, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Okay, let me, this is awesome when you get it. You want to get it? I want you to get it. Okay. God's voice, when he gave on Mount Sinai the law, the earth shook. What did Moses do? Show me what Moses did. Right, exactly. Some of you guys really like that. (laughs) He says, but now he hath promised saying, well, where did he say this? He says it in Haggai, okay? So the Hebrew people reading the book of Hebrews who were understood the Old Testament, they, they said, this same God who shook the earth then on Mount Sinai says something else. What does he say? Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. The universe is shaking. Are you with me? So he says, remember in Haggai when God said he's not going to shake the earth, he's going to shake the whole universe, the earth and the heaven. He says, verse 27, this word yet once more, he's saying that quote, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken. What does that mean? As of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. What is he saying? On this earth, there's some things that are going to survive when God shakes the earth and some things that are not. When God comes back in judgment, now this is not seeker sensitive, okay? This is not really a fun message, but I'm going to tell you this. Our God is a holy God. Our God is a holy God. Do you get it? Our God is going to judge. Last week in our Sunday school, we talked about the rainbow as a sign of God's covenant that he would not destroy the earth again by a flood. That's a covenant. When you see a rainbow, it's a reminder to God and to us that he will not destroy the whole earth by a flood. But he's going to destroy this earth by fire. Okay? You're like, man, you sound like a crazy street preacher. I'm about that close to being one. Okay? I'm just delivering the mail. He's saying that God's promise for judgment again. And in fact, let's fast forward to the end of the chapter. Look at verse number 29. For our God is a consuming fire. What in the world are you talking about? Haggai 2, 6, and 7 says this, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of what? Hosts. You know what host means? Armies. It's like, oh, it's a cute little word, Lord of hosts the Lord with armies of angels that he doesn't even need to use. That's our God. And so God shook the earth when the Ten Commandments were given on Sinai, but God's made this promise that one day he's going to shake not only the earth, but the heavens. 
In Revelation 6, during the Great Tribulation, it talks about the sun turning the blood and the moon turning black and the stars falling like rotten figs to the earth. That's going to be something. But God says, you ain't seen nothing yet. It'll be even more than that. In verse 26 and 27, he says, I'm going to shake them again. Not the earth only, but also heaven. And the word yet once more signifies the removing of the things that are not shaken. He's saying that there's going to come a time when the whole universe is going to be shaken. Everything that can be shaken, which is everything you can see, this whole universe will be destroyed. John said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Everything that can be shaken is going away. If you've built your life on the things of this world, what you're going to do when it all, what are you going to do when it all comes crumbling down? The Bible says it's going to happen. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10. You're like, do you have any other proof? Yeah, check this out. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is is a very biblical language talking about God coming back in judgment. The day of the Lord is, is that. In which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. What are the heavens going to do? They'll pass away. How? With a great noise. And the elements shall burn with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing, that, seeing then that all these things should be dissolved. Listen, what he's saying is, everybody look around. This building is going away. The carpet, even the pulpit, the chairs. At one point, this will not exist anymore. Your car, your house, your bank, it's all going to get burned up. It's temporary. It's not, it's not if, it's when. It's all going away. So what Peter says is seeing that everything's going away, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holiness and godly conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening to the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements will melt with fervent heat. All, all of this stuff's going away. I, I heard a story about a wealthy man who was on a ship. The ship was going down. He had just a few seconds to exit the ship and save himself. So as he rushed out of his room, there he had a pile of jewels he had brought along with him. There were two or three oranges. And in the moment, he had to make a decision. And knowing that the ship was going down, what did he take? Took the oranges. Right? Silly, but it's kind of the same thing. Ladies and gentlemen, when things are going down, you better grab hold of something that can do you some good when all the material things go to pieces. The Bible says that one of these days, all everything will be shaken and gone. Why is the Lord going to do that? In verse 27, he continues by telling you, he says that those things which are, there are going to be things that are removed. There is going to be a removing of those things. The word removing really means to transpose to a higher key. It means a day will come when God will transpose everything from the temporal or the temporary to the eternal. One of those, these days, God's going to transpose everything and those things which cannot be shaken are going to be, those things which can be shaken will be shaken. Why? Well, he tells us in verse 27, do you see it? That those things which cannot be shaken may remain. 
you gotta grab hold of those things that can't be shaken. You need to grab hold on the eternal. Let me tell you some things that can't be shaken. Are you ready? What can't be shaken that I need to invest my life in? Here's a few things. Number one, the throne of God can't be shaken. Psalm 45, six says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. God's throne is eternal. Another thing you'll notice as you study the book of Revelation is the repetition of God's throne. John's seeing all these things that are going on take place on the earth, all these tribulation events and things are gonna transpire. All of it, he sees all of it, but he keeps going back and referring back to the throne of God. When everything is gonna be pieces going to pieces down here, God's throne is gonna remain eternal up there. The kingdoms of this world will be like a house of cards and like sand castles on sand, but God's throne is forever. Are you with me? Number two, here's another thing. The word of God can't be shaken. Psalm 119.89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God's word is eternal. The eternal God has spoken, and he's spoken an eternal world. It, a word, it will remain. God's word will remain forever. The church is eternal. What do I mean? Matthew 16, 18 says this. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is eternal. It will remain. In fact, it's the only thing that God, the Lord's going to take out of this world, world. When the church comes, when the Lord comes, the church is gonna be raptured. I'm not gonna go through the great tribulation. Neither, if you know Christ, you aren't either. Isn't that cool? Like some of you guys, prove it. Okay, stay, stay with me till we finish Hebrews and then I'll prove it from the word of God. When the Lord comes, we're gonna be raptured and I'm not looking for the great tribulation. I'm looking for Jesus. I'm not looking for the antichrist. When the antichrist shows up, I'm gonna be in glory. <laughs> I'm gonna be out of here. The church is gonna be caught up and it will last forever. And so that's why I think it's important to invest. Now, what's the church? Is it the building? No, it's us. Those who know Christ and are part of this assembly, that's, that's us. The wisest decision any mom and dad will ever make is to bring their kids in, up with the local body of believers. I think it's so important. Here's the fourth thing that is eternal, that will remain. The son of God. You know what's eternal? Your relationship with God is eternal. The son of God is eternal. Hebrews 13, eight, we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. Jesus Christ is the same Yesterday, today, and forever. That sounds pretty eternal to me. Here's a fifth thing. This is so good. Are you ready? The child of God is eternal. Right? John 10, 28 says, I give unto them what kind of life? What kind of life? Eternal life. And what happens? And they shall never perish. That's so good to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. When I got saved, God gave me the gift of eternal life and I'm gonna live forever. When you got saved, God gave you eternal life. Eternity started when you got saved. <laughs> so cool. So the verses, so these verses show us first the Lord speaking, you better listen, it shows us the universe that's going to be shaken. He says, basically, everything temporary is going away. I'm going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And there's only some things that are going to make it. You're the souls of men. 
and the word of God. That's what's making it out of here. That's what cannot be burned up, right? If you burn a house down and there's gold and diamonds in the house, is that a value? Are the doors of value anymore? The walls, the electronics. If it all burns down, but is the gold? Is the gold, does the gold have, who wants burned up gold? You guys don't want it? Who's with me? Could you use some gold that's been burned up? Right, because some things last. You burn it, but it doesn't matter. It's an amazing thing. Same idea. Okay, here's a third reason. The Lord is speaking. The universe is shaking. Number three, the king is coming. The king is coming. Look at what it says. Verse 28. Wherefore. You know what wherefore means? Based on everything I said, based on the fact that the Lord's speaking, based on the fact that you're running a race, and like we sang in the song, uh, take up those hands that fall down and the feeble knees, right? With all of what I said, and seeing, verse 28, that we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. What does that mean? When all that quakes, God's kingdom is going to last forever. God's kingdom is not going to be burned up. The earth is going to get burned up. God's kingdom won't be burned up. Are you with me? When you invest in God's kingdom, you're investing in something that can't go away. And as citizens of God's kingdom, we're receiving that kingdom that does not go away. It can't be moved. So what does he say? Seeing that that's the case, seeing that we have a king that's coming back to deliver us to himself. Is anybody excited about that? This is this amazing thing that God's going to do. And he's, the first thing he's going to do is reign on the earth in Jerusalem. And then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. It's going to be an amazing thing. More on that later. He's saying, seeing that the king is coming, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why do we serve God? Do we serve God because that's how we get to heaven? We serve God because we're on our way to heaven. We don't serve him to get there. We serve him because that's where we're going. We don't serve him so that we get heaven. We serve him and invest in eternity because everything I'm investing here is going away. But everything I invest there is going to remain. That's why he says, don't store up things here on the earth where rust and moth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But invest in heaven where rust and moth don't corrupt and thieves don't break through. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We're citizens of a kingdom that we haven't got to yet. From a king who's coming. So he says, let's have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably. Why? With reverence and fear. Why? For our God is a consuming fire. He's going to burn up all that shouldn't remain so that all that remains is eternal. Does that make sense? All that remains is that. You can't serve the Lord apart from his grace. He says, let us have grace. 
He's basically saying that you can't serve God apart from the grace of God. We begin the Christian life not as givers, but as receivers. We receive salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Then in verse 10 it says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that, we, that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He's saying that you receive the grace of God, and then in that grace you can serve God acceptably. 1 Corinthians 15, 10 says, By the grace of God I am what I am. He is what Paul's saying and what God says through him is all I am, all I ever will be is due. All I do is all because of the grace of God. You can't serve the Lord apart from his grace. You can't serve in a manner that's acceptable to him apart from his grace. When you sing a song, if you sing it in the flesh, there's no real service in it. There's no ministry to it. When I preach, I must preach by the grace of God. I know that if I ever say anything that is a blessing to anybody, it's by the grace of God. If you teach Sunday school, if you, if you lead a discipleship group, you, you lead kids, you lead adults, if you do anything in the house of God, you do it by grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us come into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. In verse 28, he says, we're to serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. The next time you tell somebody the gospel, the next time you give your testimony, remember the times you used to stand up and curse his name. Do it with awe and deep respect. The next time you get ready to sing, remember those days you were singing or playing things that would not please God. Now you get up and give him praise and honor and glory because of all that he did in you. Verse 29 says, our God is a consuming fire. As believers, we will experience the consuming fire of the Lord. You say, I, I thought that we, we were saved and never going to be judged for our sins. And that's exactly right. There is now therefore no condemnation, the Bible says, to those who are in Christ Jesus. But our works will be tried. The Bible says, wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stone. What gets burned up and still has value? There's some things we invest in that are going away. The things that are shaken. There's some things that we invest in that are eternal. The things that cannot be shaken. You know, you're like, well, well, Pastor Ben, are you saying I shouldn't try to earn money? Who plans on eating today? There's somebody literally planning on eating today. We're going to lunch later. And he's like, I'll think about what I'm going to eat while you're preaching. I was like, you should listen, right? You need money, right, at some level. Jesus said this, there's a way that you can take your money and invest the temporary into the eternal, right? When you give so that missionaries can go and share the gospel and people get saved, the money that you gave that's going to go away anyway, who knows money goes away? Anybody noticed? It comes in and it goes out, right? When you take that temporary and you invest it in eternal, you, when you share the gospel with people be based on the, the temporary stuff, that, that gets to heaven. Where your heart is, is where your treasure is, right? When, when you use your time to invest in your family, invest in your kids, and you care about their souls, and you're wanting them to follow and know and love Jesus, you're investing in something that's going to last for eternity, right? People are important to God. 
and they should be important to us, right? People are more important than things. People are more important than things. No, people are more important than things. Things are going away. It's all getting shaken. It's all getting burned up. Your relationship with God, the word of God, and the souls of men are what's making it out of here alive. So let's invest in what's eternal because our God's a consuming fire. And if you're here today and you think, God will let me get there some other way, you are severely mistaken The God who shook the earth, he's going to shake the universe. He's a consuming fire. Don't fight against him. Put your faith and trust in him. He loves you. He gave his son for you. And the blood of Jesus speaks a better thing than the blood of Abel. We're getting to heaven because of the righteousness of God and his son given to us. Isn't that good? So grateful for it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?